We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. As usual, stay tuned to the end of the interview, where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes, and all the show notes can be found at theentrepreneurethos.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all the ratings and reviews. Thanks for buying the audiobook. If you want to support the show, you can do that too. You can write a review. You can do all sorts of things. But again, really appreciate everyone's uh, encouragement and support. means a lot to me. Now, on to my guest for today, Seth Erickson of Storyfy Agency. Storyfy Agency uses principles of storytelling to help startups communicate. Seth's agency was originally a web design agency, a successful one at that. But Seth realized that ultimately the web designs weren't bringing in customers for his clients. So he went on his own hero's journey to figure out why. He dove into the science and art of storytelling, and what he learned is documented in his book, How to Hack Humans, Storytelling for Startups. When Seth found that there is a scientific proof for why stories are the optimum way to connect with others. He realized he's got to focus more on stories. When his agency takes on a client, they find out who they are and what their story is, and then work with them on reshaping their messaging to best communicate their story. Seth is heavily influenced by Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, as am I. And he explains how often a company fails to understand that they need to position themselves as the mentor rather than the hero, the one who goes out and learns something and then brings it back to help others, right? The mentor is what your company is. All right, now let's get better together. Seth Erickson, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm like super thrilled. This is the coolest thing ever because you have this agency called Storify, mm-hmm. and you are like helping tech startups tell better stories. And I'm just like, that's exactly what I do. I've actually found someone 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it gets it. I mean, I I've have other people that get it. There's Tim Sprinkle. He's another guy I've interviewed and a bunch of other guys, even at the story engine and all those sort of things. But I looked at your site after I think we connected on, was it like matchmaker or LinkedIn? Yeah, matchmaker. Or matchmaker. Yeah. Which yeah. Uh, love those guys. Those guys are really cool. And I looked at your stuff and I'm like, gosh, one, what a great pitch. I can't tell you how many bad pitches I hear, like constantly get on them. I'm actually going to actually teach a class on how to pitch media better because I'm getting like these crappy pitches, but two, just like the whole brand of what you're trying to do and your, your style is just super cool. And, you know, I, I can't wait to just talk more and more about that and about what you don't do on the side, which is also cool. Like, you're just such a cool guy. Like, what's up with that? <laughs> look, look bad, you know, like, it's like, ah, but anyway, before we get all that and, and, and say all the cool stuff we're going to talk about, why don't you uh, tell us how you got to do what you're doing today? Um, well, um, I, in 2015, uh, a good friend of mine said, dude, you're a storyteller. And I was running like a web design slash design agency. And um, I was kind of dissatisfied. We were doing really awesome winning awards. Right. But I wasn't feeling like I was doing with the business, what I wanted to do, which was move the needle for my customers. Right. Like they'd pay us and we'd give them great design and they were, they were happy with it. But then I'd be like, well, did you get more signups or did you, did this thing or that thing happen? And they're like, no. And I was like, well, that sucks. And so I was very dissatisfied and kind of going, okay, what's the next iteration of this company? I want to figure that out because um, we need to pivot. Um, and he goes, you're a storyteller. He gave me a book called Story Wars by Jonas Sachs. Um, and I read that and I went, oh, this guy is a, uh, he's a storyteller, but he also runs an agency because as soon as my friend said that, I was like, well, how do you make money being a storyteller? Right? Like I <laughs> didn't have a clue. And so I read that and that book kind of like hit me like a lightning rod. And, um, I went on a tear on audible. Um, you know, I think I raised their stock price with the amount of, uh, <laughs> uh three, uh, three credit, uh, you know, um, pack things that I was buying. Um, and so I, like I read over 50 books on the subject and then through that, um, some of the books talked about storytelling, but you know, I read all the all the classics, right? Like the Joseph Campbell stuff, uh, S story by Robert McKee. Mm -hmm. I let, read Lisa Cron. Uh, you know, I read, like all, all these different people who write a lot about this. But some of the books started talking about neuroscience, and I was like, well, that sounds really cool. Um, so I started doing research into what research is there about um, storytelling, and. Um, it turns out there's actually a lot that we're, that we've been learning over the last, uh, I don't know how many years, but about what's happening with the brain and, and whatnot. And so I read all these really super boring, um, papers and, uh, <laughs> and said, okay, this isn't just theory. There's science behind this. So, so there's, um, so when I wrote the book, I actually start talk by talking about the neuroscience because I'm like, this isn't just my opinion. Right, like, or the, my theory, or my experience speaking here, this is this is backed by science, and so here's what science says. And so, I kind of um, broke it down to like five core concepts around neuroscience, and then I also started, you know, doing uh, talking about additional stuff like memory and bias and things like that. And that's actually where where the concept of um, you know that we are very similar to computers came from. And so it's like, 
you know, we have short-term and long-term memory, right? That's like your GUI operating system and your DOS operating system, or sorry, your RAM and your, your hard drive. And then your short-term um, or your uh, conscious and subconscious is like your Windows and your DOS or your Mac and your Unix, right? And so, um, so then it was like, well, what are the applications? Well, the applications are just stories. Right. And some of those stories are really big. Some are really small, just like applications. And it's like, well, how do we write to the operating system? And it's storytelling. Right. And that's the most effective way. Like, yeah, you can do other stuff, but, um, but if you really want to get in there and kind of change things and change people's minds, then story is the best way to do that. So, um, so that's, that's the concept of kind of, of the book and, uh, which is called How to Hack Humans, Storytelling for Startups. And um, yeah, so that's that's kind of how, how I ended up where I ended up, I guess. <laughs> no, that's really cool. No, I, I say always say the same thing. Um, one of the books that was really influential for me was one called The Story Grid by Sean Coyne. Um, and I actually became a certified Story Grid editor. It's a long, convoluted story. I was going to be like a book editor and I wanted to do like structural editing or like developmental editing. And then I decided, eh, no, I'd rather tell the stories and write the books. But the story grid laid out the kind of the quantitative way stories are structured, which was super fascinating. And he's done a lot of other books. Um, he did one called uh, Cognitive Dominance with a, a neurosurgeon about how to, um, about fear and how to overcome fear. It was a really fascinating book. It had a little to do about story, but it also had to do with how we go through the narrative in our head when it comes to something like, you know, tragic or when the pressure's on, right? And it was this very fascinating mm -hmm. book. I and mean, it's same thing, neuroscience. It was basically boiled down to sort of these four quadrants that you kind of went through and integrated. And, and, you know, as anyone that's ever heard a great story, you sort of go on this, you know, either hero's journey, heroine's journey, or the virgin's promise of this adventure in your head. Um, mm -hmm. And a good story makes that adventure come to life. But it also, if you're trying to persuade people, you know, like Aristotle was trying to do with his rhetoric stuff. Um, mm -hmm. It's important that, there be emotion and credibility and logic and, you know, there's certain structures to it. It's baked in our DNA. I'm sure that's what some of the neuroscience says. And yes, you know, yes. <laughs> you, know you, you and I are talking together uh, because our ancestors told better stories. Mm -hmm. We're here. <laughs> so um, pretty much it's how we learn. So I'm, I'm, I am fascinated with this as well. And one of the things I'm working on is this thing called the story funnel, which is how to scale startups by telling better stories. So similar to what, to what you're doing, but also within a framework, because I have an engineering mind about how to do measures and metrics and stages and phases and blah, you know, all the fun stuff. I'm trying not to make it a boring business book. <laughs> so I can't wait to read yours for inspiration because yours is apparently, you know, self you know, <laughs> self-aggrandize, not a boring business book, but I trust you on that. I can't wait to read it, but it's just so fascinating that you kind of came to the same conclusion I came to. And I'm just, how, how are startups? Like when you talk about this, what do they say? Because I personally have found it a bit like there's a bit pushback 
it's just strange. I don't know if it's a new paradigm for buzzword bingo, or I don't know what 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 has been some of the response. I guess. Um, well, so what I typically find is I have to um, go through a process of education, and you know, talking to them about you know stuff like what's in the book. What does the neuroscience say about this? Why why are we this way? What does anthropology say about this? Um, and in in teaching that, then they tend to go, oh yeah, that sounds really good. Um, but you know, initially it's like, well, you know, a lot of people have this misconception that stories are just for entertainment. And I'm like, no, it's a way to pass information. And also it's a way to connect with humans at a deeper level. So would you like to do that? You know, Mr. Startup? <laughs> uh, yes, please. Okay. Then great. Like, um, you know, a lot of what we focus on in, in our business is, is story is a, it's, it's how you communicate and making, making a startup a better communicator then allows them to better communicate with investors and better communicate with the market at large and, and really answer the question of why the hell should I care about your, your business or your product? And so, um, I've talked to just recently talked to some investors and, you know, explaining what we do. And they're like, oh yeah, we see this all the time. Like people come in and they pitch the tech. They don't pitch the reason, you know, the raison d'etre, if you will. Um, and so, uh, and I, I see it as, you know, like you go to school you're like, okay, I want to be really good at, you know, like you said, engineering or software or whatever. Right. And then you, you're like, I have this great idea. I want to take this idea to the world. Well, I haven't met hardly any founders that were like, I took communications classes, right? Like I took the, all these other classes, right? No, they were, they were working their ass off learning, learning their craft, but, um, but they still had to communicate it. And so, yeah, they come in and they're like, we got AI, we got blockchain, we got crypto. And it's like, who the hell cares, man? Everybody else does too. That yes. doesn't answer the problem of yes. how you're going to fix my problem. The only right. reason any business ex exists is because it solves a problem for the customer. So you're talking about the wrong thing, right? And I understand. I get it. You're excited. Like you're doing some new thing in, in AI. You're doing some new thing in blockchain that nobody else is doing, but that still doesn't tell the customer or the, you know, the, the investor um, why that is better than somebody else who's doing their own special unique thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's a communication problem. It's there's, it's an order of operations problem, right? Like you have an engineering background. It's like, you got to do the first thing first. And yep. so we're always um, like used the exact phrase that uh, when we were talking earlier, um, get your story straight, right? Yep. Like, yep. Um, because from there, all, um, all other actions flow out of that as well. Like, um, you know, we talk a lot with, with people about their vision and, mm -hmm. I'm like, well, vision is just another form of story, right? It's it's a story that's talking about a future state, and um, and so you as the leader need to be able to tell a good story, um, not just for investors and for the uh, the marketplace, but you need to tell one to your team to keep them inspired, to keep them on track and focused and knowing where they're going. So all of this stuff is in you know. I am a storyteller, so of course it's like everything. You know, it's like I'm a I'm a everything's hammer, so a story, yeah. So yeah. everything looks like yeah. a nail, but I'm like, yeah. but this but this opinion isn't isn't just rooted in 
an opinion. It's rooted in, you know, anthropology and science and all these other things that we understand, um, or at least, you know, I understand about how the brain works and how humans work. So totally. No, no, you're, I agree. It's just so funny because yeah, when, when I was in engineering school, we had to take one, um, it was called engineering writing (laughs) one (laughs) class and it was about how to write reports. It wasn't how to spin a narrative, right? It was all about reports. And I remember these, you know, liberal artsy classes that I'm like, God, why do I have to take this stupid elective, man? I got more important things to do than to sit at 11 a.m., which for me was late on a, you know, Friday jazz in America, listening to a bunch of jazz and then like writing, writing what I felt about it. I'm like, what good is this? <laughs> right. What, what do I care? Well, it actually inspired me to a certain degree to, to really want to appreciate different opinions. And, and like, I think just pulling out of your comfort zone and seeing how other people think, which is a really powerful thing and actually a really powerful storytelling technique, especially when it comes to someone trying to explain some technology or go to market in a different way. Um, it's always seems to be these overlaps that, that, that like are where the tech, where, where the innovation happens. And those overlaps are hard to explain unless you know what you're talking about and you can communicate it. And I know, you know, with my clients, I always try to, you know, have them really focus on the big idea, what I call the tip of the spear. Like this is the tip of your communication spear. Everything in the world flows from this. Mm-hmm. If you screw this up, you're just going to go down the path of destruction. You're going to waste money, sometimes thousands upon tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars on stupid ads that never work. Mm-hmm. And we can debate ads and all that stuff a little later, but it was so, so fundamental, yet people are afraid of it. Like they are afraid that if they explain what they do in a clear, concise, and compelling way, they somehow dumb down the coolness of it. And I'm like, no, I don't think you do. I think the better you can explain it, the better you can teach it, the better you know it. And then you come to where people are, which I think is the powerful thing about a really good story. A really good story, the other person you're telling the story to feels what it's like. It's it's like you build the world in your head Mm -hmm. and they experience it. And when a story can do that, I mean, it's magic. It's absolutely magic. And yeah, now I got to like read all this neuroscience. (laughs) I try to convince people this is like the right thing. Yeah. So from a neuroscience perspective, they call that simulation, Mm. right? So, um, so when, when you tell a story, so like, let's say you're watching a movie and you really connect with what's going on in the movie, um, you lose track of time and you're losing track of time because you're building that simulation in your brain. And then you're putting yourself in that, that, that character's situation and asking yourself, what would I do here? What would I, if I was, you know, being chased by zombies, would I do this? Would I do that? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a part of, of how the brain works. Um, but we also have these things called mirror neurons. And so what that allows us to do is, is to feel the experience as if we, it was actually happening to us. Um, and so again, it's like, that's why you can watch a, a movie and, and be moved to tears or, you know, laugh hysterically because, um, those mirror neurons are, are firing and, uh, <clears throat> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, it's, it's funny. You should mention that because I just was pulled up this book called 
Softwired. And this is actually by someone that I, I went to their Commonwealth Club talk when we could do that before the COVID. And it's how the new science of brain plasticity can change your life. And the guy that wrote this book was one of the inventors of the cochlear implant. Oh, uh, they're a and, client uh, of ours. Yeah. Cochlear right. is. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And so his name's, and I'm going to, it's, it's Dr. Michael Mertz, M-E-R, I'm, I'm sorry, Michael, uh, Merchich, Merchants. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, but he's here in San Francisco. Turns out my fiance Minerva went to school with his daughter <laughs> back in the day, back in the day. And what's funny about what you said about this mirror neurons and like how the brain processes things, they didn't really know how this, that stuff worked. Mm-hmm. He was just doing a bunch of research and it found out, oh, your brain trains. It can like rewire stuff. Well, the same goes with the story. A story can rewire how you think and your, how you feel. I know, you know, everyone knows that, that listens to the show, you know, when my, when my wife died, I felt what it felt like when she died, when I would retell the story to a point where I like would shake and feel sweaty. And mm-hmm. so your body can be moved. You can be moved to the same emotion and feeling fear, laughter, grief, sorrow. And it's only through the processing of these stories in our head. The reason one, the reason I talk about it Two, the reason why I'm writing a book about it is to, is to process these stories so that I can feel better about it, or I can communicate it better. Or now that I talk about it, I don't feel the same thing Mm -hmm. because, you know, your experience as life goes on and as, you know, as a business, you know, how you got to where you got to is not necessarily how you're going to get to where you need to go. Right. Uh, right. And that's the, <laughs> I think that's the lesson from what I got from Softwired. It's like you can constantly change that narrative. And as a business telling stories to attract customers, to, you know, build an advocacy for what you do. Um, it's important that, you know inherently that the communication of ideas, education and stuff always happens through that mechanism of story. And I'm just curious, how, how do you get, other than the education process, then, okay, now you've convinced them. What, what's, the, what's the next kind of layer to it? Yeah, so um, we, do, we do a process called the brain hack. Um, and so we sit down with them and we dive deep into you know, who are you? What are you doing? What do you want to do? What should you keep doing? What should you stop doing? Um, and then from there, uh, we take them through kind of a, a story framework that, you know, a lot of it is based off um, the hero's journey. Uh, it's not as extensive as the hero's journey because, you know, in a marketing message or communications message like that, you don't want to tell uh, an epic, right? Like you're not trying to write, you know, the Odyssey. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but there are, you know, different trigger points that you need to understand, like, you know, who is the villain? What is the problem that the hero is facing? Um, how do you position your company as the mentor to come in and say, look, I get what, what's going on. You know, we can help you fix this. Um, and, and again, that's, that's an area too, where, um, customers often get it wrong. Uh, you know, Jonas Sachs was was the first person to say it, um, that you are, you're the, you're the mentor, right? Like you've solved the problem. 
and now you are Prometheus bringing fire back to back to mankind, right? Um, but when you try to position yourself as the hero, it's like it fights with what what we as humans do, which is make ourselves the hero in our own story. And so it's like you need to be the you know the Obi Wan Kenobi to the to the Luke Skywalker. Yeah, um, you're, you're Sam. You're not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, so we take him through that process, and then um, and then we tend to focus on um, you know what is your you know, what does your messaging look like based on the story that, that we've worked with you on? And it's really a facilitation process, right? It's like um, most people, once they, they go, this is our story, they love it because it's their story. Like we didn't say, oh, you have to say this and do this thing that way. We listen to them and we help them kind of define it the way they want. Uh, we spend a lot of time going, okay, what kind of mentor are you? Right. Like there are many different archetypes to, of, of mentors that are out there. And, um, you know, one way that I, I like to describe it, it's like, look at all, look at all like the Marvel characters, right? Like Captain America is v- very different than Iron Man and very different than Thor and very different than Hulk. Right. But they're all, you know, these, you know, they're all these different archetypes yeah, and very, so, very different than Deadpool. Yes. And very different <laughs> than Deadpool. Um, so, so um, that, but that, that archetype defines also how you talk to your customers, you know, the experience that you create for them based on your understanding of what, what type of archetype you, you are. Um, and so, you know, it become, becomes a, a fun process for people to kind of like go through that and start thinking about it and going, okay, um, man, you know, maybe we're more like this than that. And, you know, I, I kind of define, I don't know, 10 or 12 different archetypes, you know, um, in the book, just so people can kind of go have a starting point. And then, you know, I mean, you can, you can search brand archetype and find <laughs> lots of examples. Right. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. start and, and start understanding that. But, um, and then from there, we, we tend to work with them on, uh, you know, with the copywriting, like I said, and, and then, you know, fixing their website because, the thing that like so many people don't understand is like their website is grand central station, right? Like if, if yep. I run an ad or if I talk to a person or if they see me post on LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever, if they're interested, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to go to your website and, and learn more about you. So no matter what kind of advertising you're doing, quite often you're going to see people, even if you like call them and do a sales call, directly over the phone. They're going to be like, who are these people? Right. They're they're going to be looking you up after the call or whatever. So, um, so that's where I see, you know, you have to be very focused and specific about the type of story you're telling um, and very clear in in your communications. Otherwise you just have a bunch of people go through your website and they, they never want to talk to you. And you're like, why am I getting, you know, thousands of hits a month, but no, we're getting no sales. Right. Like, um, so um, so that's kind of a, kind of how our process works and what, what we're looking at. But, you know, to me, at the end of the day, you have to deal with humans. And unfortunately we can't sit around and pantomime to each other. We have to use words and we have, and those words either have to be done verbally or written on paper <laughs> and people will read those words and, and, you know, make decisions about what they think about you based off of, of what you're saying or what you're writing. So, um, so that's why. Uh, I think storytelling, at least from my perspective, is is very important because you know 
otherwise it's just it's just a bunch of noise <laughs> when there's way too much noise in the world i found yes. that too like if you want to break through the noise i always say that the the brand or organization that tells the best story wins mm-hmm. everything yeah. else is like superfluous i mean there's this guy pep Laya. i don't know if you know who pep Laya is he runs mm-hmm. cxl and he runs a company called winter and I love his stuff on LinkedIn. Every interview he has, uh, the name of his podcast, he's got a podcast called uh, How to Win. And, it, you know, I mean, and he's like, he, he literally every time he's like, it's not about your silly product. It's about your brand and your communication. It's products are commoditized. What's your brand and story? Like it, mm-hmm. essentially, right? And even, you know, what Winter does is that you can, you can actually pay them to have people look at your website and comment on stuff. I actually do this um, like on the side, like they, you know, send me, Hey, Jerry, take this out and I'll comment on websites and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's a powerful thing because he's a hundred percent. Right. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that a, a lot of the productization and the no code movement, and there's like production product service, has been democratized to a certain degree. I mean, there's some innovative stuff. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I used to invent stuff, so I get that. Mm-hmm. But it's really about who you trust in your brand and the brand that you're building and the story that you tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't and think of a better way to put it. Well, yeah, that and I think also creating um, good experiences that are consistent. Mm. Yes. You know, like... Yes. Uh, like one of the things I, I talk about in the book is uh, like slogans and taglines and things like that. And, you know, uh, Audi's tagline, I don't know if it still is, but it used to be truth in, truth in engineering. And then what happened a couple of years ago? Well, they got caught lying about their engineering by, mm-hmm. by giving off false um, emissions readings. Well, now you've got a brand who's saying one thing and doing a completely different thing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so, you know, if that stuff's not congruent, then you got a problem. But I would say that there's a there's a there's a problem inside the organization that has to do with their story for them to be like, oh, we should totally do this. This is a good idea. We should lie instead of fixing the problem. <laughs> yeah, I always I always tell people because people always ask me about crisis communications, right? Because that's always a big topic. Mm-hmm. And it's an old saying, but it's so true. It's like the cover up is worse than the event. A hundred times, like don't ever try to cover anything up, especially nowadays. Yeah. People will find out. Like, put your ego aside. And if you screwed up, you screwed up. Apologize. This is what I'm doing about it. And just focus on the fix. Don't focus on, well, really, I don't think you understand what we really did. Like, no, no, you got caught. Like, shut up. <laughs> yeah. And I, I see this all the time and people come to me and, and you can tell like the ego is so strong because they don't want to look like a fool or they don't have enough like um, self-awareness to be like, you're being defensive. People pick up on that. The more defensive you are, the <laughs> more they're going to dig and they're mm-hmm. going to dig just to spite you. Like, <laughs> like I always say, you know, when, you know, when the government comes and investigates you, they never get you for the first thing they investigated you on. They get you for the cover up and all the other things you're doing, you know, anyway, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you have to be consistent with the story and everyone has to agree. I mean, some of the work that I do, I try to figure out what the organization as a whole thinks the story is. And I remember one time I, you know, collected all this data because 
part of the story funnel process is we do this thing called a brand story guide, which similar to a brand style guide, but we ask, Hey, what do you guys think the story is? Do some analysis with machine learning and, you know, whiz bang, hocus pocus. And I remember I was talking to a CEO and I said, well, Hey, I think this is, you know, this is what your people say it is. And he's like, okay. And I said, well, if this is not your vision, then you've got two options. First option is you need to communicate your vision so that they understand. Mm-hmm. The second option is you need to fire everyone and start over because there is no way that they are going to, you know, they're not deviating from what they think and feel. And he's like, oh, no, no, I don't want to fire anyone. No, no, this is right. I go, well, just so you know, there's a lot of CEOs, especially ones that come, you know, sweeping in on the white horse to save the day. <laughs> they fail because they haven't aligned the team on the story they're telling themselves or they're not smart. Enough. Well, I don't know if it's smart enough. They don't have enough compassion and, or they don't reduce their ego enough to ask what people think so they can change the narrative. They can change the story to where they want to go. Mm-hmm. It's the simplest thing in the world, but people, I don't understand why people don't do this. What I must be missing something or we're just geniuses. <laughs> okay. Maybe we're geniuses or maybe we're just see something that no one else sees, but I just think this is going to be a big deal. I, I, I just, what else are you going to compete on? I, I can't think of anything else to compete on other than your story and your brand and making, of course you got to hit the standard. Like your stuff's got to work, but above that, what else is there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, I think the great thing about story is that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of like mix and match that you can do with it. And, you know, everybody has a story, but again, it's like, are you presenting it the right way? Um, you know, when I, when I see a lot of marketing, like, cause sometimes I'll, I'll be brought in after, you know, they've let go of a marketing person or the marketing person struggling or whatever. And I'm, I'm looking at like just their, how they communicate. And it's like, well, everything you're saying is about you. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, okay, So if you go to a party, you meet somebody for the first time, they spend the first 20 minutes telling you how awesome they are and, you know, how big their house is and how they went on vacation, you know, five times last year, are you going to stick around and keep wanting to talk to that person? Or are you going to be like, I need to go to the bathroom or I need to get a drink or whatever, right? Like, like they're just going blah, blah, blah and flapping their gums and, and, and nothing they're saying is like, is relevant to you. I'm like, that's what your communications are doing currently. Like you, you send an email and you're like, I'm so-and-so from XYZ company. And we've worked with all these other companies and we have this product. And it's like, you're just talking about yourself. Stop talking about yourself. Talk about your customer. Talk, show them that you understand what's going on. I know this is a crazy thought, but there's this thing called empathy where maybe, <laughs> maybe you can put yourself in their shoes for a minute or two. And think, well, like, I'm like, do you like getting these kinds of emails or these kinds of ads or, or whatever? Well, no, I hate them. Okay. So why are you doing the same damn thing everybody else is doing? We got to, we got to change, like you said, change the narrative. Yeah. Change the narrative. Yeah. yeah. No, totally. I mean, I always tell people about, uh, you know, when, so, you know, I love, I love that you brought up the hero's journey, Joseph Campbell, being the mentor or the sidekick, you know, I love that mm-hmm. because it's totally true. 
And the thing about what you said about like, oh, you're just telling people what you do. You know, again, the best conversationalist at a party is the one that sits there and listens and asks questions. Like if you really want to be like stellar with your spouse at a party, just sit there, ask questions and not <laughs> let other people talk. And they'll be like, God, Jari, such a great conversationalist. I didn't say a word. I just, well, I just ask questions. And I really find that powerful. I find that that both empathy, compassion, because I always think you got to kind of go from empathy to compassion and compassion allows you to take action. Empathy is great, but some people get too wrapped up in it and they can't like drive towards like, they also actually figure out, well, they get empathy wrong. They think empathy is just about the other person. It's actually the other person and you in the situation. And then how does that, you know, Mm -hmm. go? But I always like the compassion part because I always think that now that you've gotten through the empathy and gotten to some compassion for their problem, now you can take action to say, well, how may I, how may I serve you? How can, how can I help you with this problem? If you have this problem, then maybe you should check it out. I know a lot of times, like I'll be talking to people and, you know, we'll get all the way to the end of the conversation. I'm like, well, what exactly do you do? <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> oh, well, let me tell you. And they're like, oh, well, why didn't you say it? I'm like, well, I was just listening to what you had to say. I mean, I, I, that's my job. Like, I'm here to listen mm-hmm. and, and figure this out. And I wish more brands did that. Yeah. Because, you know, it's about solving problems, I think. Yeah. I mean, you know, the idea is to, um, or at least the way that I see it anyway, is the idea is to, um, you know, bring people, bring your customers into that story and, and you can go on that journey together, mm-hmm. right. As opposed to shouting at them, like, buy my shit, buy my shit. Like, um, so it's, it, it when that happens, it's a very different conversation. Right. And, and you know, like, again, not one that 99.9% of any brands, I'm not just talking startups. I mean, it's just like, big businesses and whatnot, it's like, they're just, they just have more cash so they can shout louder, you know, mm-hmm. and that doesn't necessarily make their communications better. It just means that they can kind of hit people over the head until they go, Oh, I guess I'll buy your stuff or whatever. But um, yeah, and I, and it's, it, yeah, it's just kind of ridiculous to me. <laughs> well, no, I agreed. I mean, and, and it's, it, it's hard, you know, I always struggle with, you know, the inbound biz dev for my own firm, just, just generally, because I have this, you know, predisposition to be kind of helpful and not very good at sales. And I'm like, not a very salesy person. I just like to help people. Like, honestly, I just wish I was independently wealthy. All I do is help people all day. I do the same exact job, just not get paid because mm-hmm. it's so much fun. I'd write books. I do the podcast. Cause it's like, this is the best thing ever. Why wouldn't I want to use my talent to help others be successful? And that's what a business should be doing. I mean, it's really ultimately about solving problems. And there was this one guy I saw his site and it was like, his name was Matt. I forget his last name, but he's like, look, business happens when there's when three things come together. There's a problem to solve. The person's got budget and they trust that you're the one that can solve it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and he's, of course, the salesy pipeline, qualify your leads because everyone just sprays and prays. And, you know, he was a little bit bashing on the whole like, oh, you know, here's my book and then here's my webinar and then my upsell to my course, you know, and you're just like, okay, you know, there's some 
some truth to that, but it's this being of service. And I think stories, stories convey being of service. And when they resonate, they hit hard, you know, they Mm -hmm. hit really hard. I mean, I know when I, when I do interviews and I, I talk about Jane and what happened with her leukemia and, you know, her dying and everything. I mean, the mood shifts to the point where I Mm -hmm. sometimes have to bring it back to be like, Hey, I'm okay. I have a, I have a, I have a fiance now. I found love again. Like (laughs) there's a, there's a happy ending, but I had to go through like with the hero's journey. I mean, I had to go battle the dragon to come back with the gold and like, Mm -hmm. I had to battle some pretty big demons in order to come back with, Hey, this is the way I think the world should be. And I think it's, Hmm. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to convince people. This is like the way to go. (laughs) I mean, you know, I don't know. Maybe we just got to tell better stories. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, man, there's, there's so much with what you said there. Um, so on, on one of your points, like, it's funny that you, you talk about battling the dragon because I like, you know, when I talk to people about this, it's like the reason that the hero's journey makes so much sense to people is because they experience it in their life almost every day, right? You'll have ups and downs throughout your day, and then you'll have ups and downs through a week or through a month or through several years, right? And, um, and that's the funny thing about it. And like the illustration I use is, you know, some days you're, you're uh, charging the castle, you know, to, to, uh, to win. And then, and the next day it feels like you're locked up in the dungeon, you know? And, and so we go through these, these ups and downs on a constant basis. Um, but I think you said something else really important in there um, is that what, what, what actually makes um, I think heroes really interesting to us is that they go through that transformation and they gain some, some insight, some new thing, right? Like, you know, Prometheus steals fire from the gods and he gives it to mankind, right? It's not that Prometheus defeated the gods. It was that he, he gained something from that experience. And, um, and so whether it's like you had to grow up or you had to overcome a challenge or you had to overcome, you know, a past or whatever, um, I think the bigger thing, especially in, in a, in a personal story is, is that, that aspect of here's what I learned. Right. Nice. And then the hero becomes the, the, the mentor, right. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is, that's when that transition happens. And so it's, you know, because, so I love star Wars, um, <laughs> which Luke is ripped off the hero's journey from Campbell when he wrote it. <laughs> well, Joseph Campbell, uh, yeah, they were, with- Work they work them, together. Yeah. 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 Um, but at the end, you know, Luke, yeah, he he, you know, defeats the emperor and you know, wins back his father before he dies and all this stuff. But right. you know, he goes on to become, you know, a mentor to other other people who will become Jedi in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So he's no longer he is a hero still, but he's no longer the central hero in the story. Right. Like, and that's that's where it's like you try to get these brands to understand that like, yeah, you, you built this thing, you did this great thing, but you're not the hero anymore. You, you're the mentor, step aside, be the mentor, help your customers solve the problem that they have and talk to them. Like, like you actually know that they have a problem, right? 
but instead you're going and selling to them as if they need to buy your stuff. Yeah. Like this, these conversations are not the same, you yeah. know? Um, no, 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 so, no, no. So, yeah, you said quite a few things and I was like, there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I bring up George Lucas and sorry, George, if you listen, I doubt it. But if you do, I didn't mean that you stole it from him. But I was watching a show, a movie last night called Fanboys. It was like 2016, 2017. And it's about a group of friends that go on a trek to, to steal the rough cut of like, um, was it like the episode one of Star Star Wars because their friends dying or whatever? I don't remember the exact premise, but it was just this funny thing about how they're kind of going through their own hero's journey, this quest mm-hmm. because you know it's their friends dying of cancer. I'm not, I'm not going to ruin it. Well, I probably will, but whatever. <laughs> um, but but it was it was just this funny, you know, like the exact thing, like we're going to go on a quest and here's our quest. And we have all these things along the way. And there are these mentors, you know, and, and the thing that's funny about it is when you do talk to brands and you say, well, what, you know, what entertainment do you like? What, what's, what stories resonate with you? And they say all these movies like this, the new one is a squid game, you know, on Netflix, right. This beautiful, I mean, it's a great, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like I haven't, ooh, no. well worth streaming. That's a great, great show. Same thing. It's like the story resonates with us. And of course, there's some twists and turns and, you know, there's some, oh, surprise and surprising, but inevitable ending and all these other things. But because you resonate with the character, the hero, mm-hmm. you, you're like, God, I probably would do the same thing if I was in their situation. I think brands need to learn that about their customer. Mm-hmm. What situation is your customer in? How can you help them solve their problem? How can you be the mentor to your point, which I think is a great way to put it. I'm actually going to start talking about you're the mentor to your customer as opposed to the hero of your own story. Mm-hmm. Although depending on who you're talking to, you may, you know, you may have to change that a little bit, but I love the mentor idea because when we see a story and it resonates with us, we see ourselves in it. That's why we remember it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that simulation aspect I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, hundred percent. That's it's a great way to put it. Like you're simulating it in your head. So, God, it's so fascinating. I mean, <laughs> I could talk with you all day. Like I love this. And <laughs> and, um, and so actually, what? So what? What questions do you think the next generation of entrepreneurs should ask themselves about being an entrepreneur? I mean, other than of course all the gems and nuggets we just went through about story, like get your story straight and everything, but. What are some of the questions they should ask themselves when they, when they think, Hey man, I might want to be an entrepreneur. Um, oh man. Uh, like, I think there's so many things you should, you should be asking yourself. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think a good one is even though this has nothing to do with storytelling is how adverse to risk am I? <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it's like, uh, you know, uh, the question I asked, um, well, or was trying to ask before we went down this path was, was really, how can I be a better communicator? Right. And, um, you know, you mentioned the thing about like sales, well, sales is a story or it can be right. Like you can use that same, same method to communicate your ideas on, on a sales call. Um, so understanding how you can be a better communicator, which, you know, is, is eventually where I kind of ended up and like I said, I realized that like all the pretty graphics that I made didn't do anything for my customers. It was really, it was the communication, you know, um, 
like especially with startups it's like you you can't just hold up a computer and go here buy this what is it it's ai uh, okay no you have to talk about it you have to communicate you know and about that idea um you're not bentley right like you're not going to just release a new car and be like, here it is, everybody. Or Isn't you're not it cool? Rolex. You're not, you know, Louis Vuitton. You're not Coca-Cola. You're not Nike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like you're providing a service that, that um, solves a specific problem in the marketplace for customers. So you have to be able to talk about it. So figuring out how you can be a better communicator, um, I think is, is the question that I would ask. Um, I wish I would have known to ask that question a long time ago. Um, but you know, you live and learn. So <laughs> exactly. We're continue to tell our stories and live, yes. the, live the hero's journey or the yes. heroine's journey or the virgin's promise or whatever the ones you want to call it. There's so many now or save the cat for that matter. Let's not, why not save it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Seth, I appreciate it, man. It's been such a great conversation. I really, really think what you're doing is awesome. Love people trying to help other startups tell better stories. I think we just got to keep pushing the narrative. The story matters. And, you know, we have neuroscience, history, anthropology, and human nature on our side. So we just got to keep on keeping on. I think. Yeah. I think, I think it's just making people more aware, right? Like I, the thing is everybody's a storyteller. They just don't think of it. And it's like breathing, right? You don't think about, am I taking a breath right now? And it's, it's really going, okay, I do this thing. Can I do it better? Right? Like, and we've learned through sports and a lot of different stuff that if you modify your breathing and the way you're doing things, you can do, you know, you can run further, you can you fight longer, you can do whatever. And it's like, I'm just trying to do the same thing with storytelling where it's like, you're already telling stories. Let's just do it better. You know? <laughs> right. Right. And I know you put a, a link on your website you know, storifyagency.com slash ethos that people can download a chapter of the book, which is awesome. I'll put that in the show notes. Good luck with that. Can't wait to read it. I know we didn't even talk about that. You were a rave DJ and all that fun <laughs> stuff. Like that's for another time. That's a little teaser. That's called a cliffhanger. Those in the story <laughs> world you want to really understand Seth. It's like, rave dj beforehand wow that's a whole other level so thanks a lot stay safe <laughs> thank you seth it was a true honor and i just love nerding out on story <laughs> so i'm so glad we found each other and we got to have a great conversation about the power of storytelling and why every single startup on the world in the world well every business every organization every movement should tell better stories so as promised here are some actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Seth. Ask yourself, how risk adverse are you? Entrepreneurs must be ready to take risks and know that nothing is guaranteed. Well, we talk a lot about risk, right? As an entrepreneur. And the only thing you can really control is your effort towards a task. Results may vary. <laughs> In fact, sometimes you don't get results. So you have to understand your risk profile, what that means, and, you know, ultimately you have to be comfortable with the risks you take. Ask yourself, how can I be a better communicator? Seth acknowledges that he wishes he'd asked himself this question much sooner. Great, great question to ask yourself. Always be striving to communicate 
in a clear, concise, and compelling way, your story. You got to practice it. I know it sounds silly, <laughs> but you got to practice your pitch. You got to practice communicating. You got to practice doing all sorts of things. I mean, like I say before, I practice networking by doing a podcast. That's how I practice talking to people. So practice, practice, practice. Learn to be a better storyteller. Ultimately, learning how to tell a story will help you connect with investors, customers, and the people you work with and the people who work for you. So this question should be, what's my story? What story do I need to tell? Now, a lot of times new entrepreneurs will talk about, oh, we just want to make a ton of money with this cool technology. Okay, that may be true, but that's not going to bring people along. Everyone is trying to do that. It's what entrepreneurs and businesses do. <laughs> they want to make money, right? So ask yourself, why? Why am I doing this? And it should be an internal thing in your heart. And then tell a story around that. So there you have it. The actionable insights and questions that I learned from my interview with Seth. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learn something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.